Alright, thanks everybody for listening to the short thing here. It is January 14th. We're getting ready for divisional round weekend. That means there are only seven NFL games left this year. But Ryan, I don't know if you knew this, SCFs is getting started. They are playing in the fall or in the spring this year. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what the TV schedule is going to look like, but there will be spring football just at the FCS level. Don't also don't know how many opt-outs they're having if any guys are going in the draft other than Trey Lance. We'll see. Uh, this is not the end of football, but the end of uh, the NFL season, as you would say. Uh, today we're going to talk. Obviously, the Cowboys got a new defensive coordinator. We're talking about the Mavs. If they have made some. Nice improvement at the beginning of the seasons, the big NBA trade, and obviously the NFL, uh, the NFL playoffs this weekend. But how's it going? It's going, you know, just day by day. This some, it's it's wild, you know. Some of these weeks they seem like they're flying by. Other weeks it feels like, you know, how's it not Friday already? And I was feeling that like on Tuesday, um, for whatever reason. But uh, you know, like I said, we're winding down football, which is. A little worrisome. Uh, season is over for some of us, uh, not all of us. So you know, we're not just taking all of us. It, we're taking it in stride, and uh, you know, just just enjoying what we have left. Um. So did I mention that I'm working Tuesday to Saturdays now? Uh, I don't believe so. No, Whatever. I so I'm starting that. And you said, do you want to know what throws off your week? Working Tuesday to Saturday. Yeah, I'm sure. There's like tomorrow's Friday. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, nice. I like a good Friday. Then you got to work Saturday. It just, it just screws you up. Yeah, <laughs> it just messes you up. It, it it just the days don't matter. Whatever. It's so it's my uh, Wednesday today. Yes, yes, my Wednesday. Because um, it's just all type of all types of messed up. Yeah, that um, that stinks. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. <laughs> Thank you. I, but, um, but I should say my Saturday schedule is definitely easier than the middle of the week. So it's a, uh, Saturday is a, is a light. I it's got, I call it a light day at the uh, at the office. But it's just definitely, maybe I'm getting away with something. I don't really know. I haven't decided yet. I haven't figured if I'm getting away with something or not. But, uh, um, it's definitely like. For me, obviously, today does not feel like a Thursday or tomorrow feels like a Friday. But yeah. in the sports schedule, then it makes it like, oh, okay, yeah, Saturday. Yeah, that not, might not be my Saturday, but they're playing then or whatever. But uh, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. And still a Christmas tree update. It's still up and no word even when it's being coming down. So obviously that's not your call? Oh, it's not my tree. Oh, okay. Um. So... That's yeah. shocking to me to to hear that because I figure with some of the other <laughs> happenings going on around the uh, the shore compound uh, that's uh, that w- that would have been down like December twenty sixth. No, no, no! Come on, come on! I'm until January. I'm until the first Saturday after New Year's, like that. Like when you did the first weekend. Yeah, it it should be down by then. I said that the other time. Um, also, first of all, the worst part of Christmas is taking down the decorations. You really think I want to do that? Absolutely not. No, it's yeah, trust so me, not, I know it's the worst. I'm not. I hated doing that when I would go when I when I was like, I think I did it nice enough to go over to do it at my parents last year. I was like, I hate just I hate taking the ornaments off the tree and putting them in there and everything. It's just the worst. Yeah, finding the same box and it's just it's just bad. It's just bad. But uh, all right, 
We'll start off with the national championship game. Get that doozy out of the way early. Um, congratulations to the Texas A&M Aggies for watching the game. Uh, but Ohio State lost 52-24. I'm not saying, look, Alabama was clearly the better team. Ohio State did not play their best game. Justin Field was off. Um, if it was because he wasn't healthy, it, he wasn't as healthy as he was in the Sugar Bowl. Whatever it was, he was a little off. Um, also, the defensive line, when I saw they were also missing 13, 13 guys and then their starting nose tackle, who they said is like the strongest guy in college football, and one of their edge rushers, Tyreek Smith, who I think had two or three sacks in the Sugar Bowl, then I was like, okay, this is... The confidence was at an all-time was at an all-time low going in when I saw those those couple guys out. But Alabama was fantastic, and then the lack of adjustments that Kerry Coombs made or Kenny Coombs made on the defensive side of the ball for Devontae Smith was jarring. How a coach could just be like, "Yeah, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing as we're just getting lit up," was a shocking display of incompetence by the defensive coordinator. Yeah, it was kind of similar. It's funny because it's kind of similar to what we saw um, in the Clemson game with Ohio State, you know, the Ohio State Clemson game where uh, Venables just kept leaving his corners on an island with, you know, zero to no safety or, you know, little to no safety help over the top and just kept getting beat over and over again. So, uh, you know, you would think that, you could learn from your enemy's mistakes uh, in that first uh, playoff game from Ohio State, but yeah, they just kind of seemed to uh, to to not, <laughs> and they were just kind of disregard any making any changes or any adjustments or anything. Because I mean, that first half was just unreal by Devonte Smith. Well, just, just the first half, but mainly the second quarter. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, like you said, you know, no real adjustments. Never really tried to make a change. They just continue to let him. Uh, beat them over and over again, which, uh, you know, was, was quite puzzling. Yeah. And then it's just making your players look bad. Cause you're not putting that, like you're going to put a linebacker on him. Come on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my God, I mean, seriously, like, seriously. Uh, seriously. That was the, the visual of, of that dude chasing down Devonte Smith. I mean, he was lumbering like every ounce of anything. He was, he, had, he was trying that. Yeah. Shout out to him. Cause he was hoofing it, trying to get to Devonte Smith. And that was just, again, puzzling. Like it, like you could literally put, anybody put that linebacker on anybody else in Alabama. And, and, and even if you got beat, it's like, okay, you know, that was just the, the matchup, but you put that guy on Devonte Smith, the Heisman trophy winner. Yes. And you're just like, you're, what are you doing here? Yeah. I was just a, it was a shocking. I mean, I went to bed midway through the third quarter. There was no more reason for me to watch that display. Um, I just couldn't believe the lack of the lack of, uh, changes just uh whatever and then i also thought ryan day he didn't he didn't coach his great that wasn't his finest hour but are you gonna fault a coach that's made it to the two college football playoffs he's made it to a championship game and even if if ohio state had to play like they did against clemson to win and the offense was just a little bit off fields looked a little bit off and uh and that's what happened and alabama was just a was just a machine and, and yeah, it was, it was, I mean, they're real. they are not, they, it took them to, it took them to win the national championship game to get the same love LSU got throughout the whole year of like being the best team ever, blah, 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 this and that, because I think it's Alabama and you expect greatness. Mm 
And when you see LSU just come out of the blue and do it, you're like, oh, wow, this team's amazing. But Alabama should have should be get, should have been getting the same. Maybe they were just people are just tired of it. But like Alabama's offense, I mean, I you could say they're like a better offense than what LSU had last year. And Mac Jones is doing just as much as Burrow, um, and he's not getting as much love as Burrow did. I mean, it was there. That was unbelievable what they did this year. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think you you were right about you know because it's Alabama. Um, you know, it, it, it's kind of like the LeBron James thing where he's no longer being compared to other players. He's getting, com- he gets compared to other versions of himself. And I think that's the same case with Alabama, right? Where they're just always, you know, they're always good. <laughs> you know, there's no other word to put yeah. it. They're just, you know, always there at the, at the end, they're just always good. So when they are dominant, you don't, you take it for granted because it's like, oh, well, it's just Alabama. But I mean, this offensive line is probably one of the better offensive lines they've had, which is crazy to say because they've had some some dudes up there. Um, obviously, Devontae Smith, you know, Heisman Trophy winner. They didn't even have who had everyone expected to be their best wide receiver uh, going into this season, Jalen Waddle. They didn't have him for the majority of the of the year, and they still put up these ridiculous numbers. Um, so yeah, they the offense, and that's the other thing too. You know, the the offense has been on a steady incline of getting to where it's at right now. Like it started. Back, uh, I guess, with what Lane Kiffin when he when he kind of came in and, and took over the offense with Jalen Hurts, and then you know slowly into the Tua era, and now Mac Jones. So it's been, I guess, maybe even back to the Blake Sims days where they had the mobile quarterback and they started trying to spread it around a little bit more, and it wasn't just your lineup and I formation and pound it over and over and over again. So this has been on a steady incline for the last you know four or five years, and now it really hit its pinnacle. And again, because Alabama is just so great over and over and over again, you you, you take it for granted, uh, you know, even because uh, even the right after the championship game when they were like, you know, is this the best college football team we've ever seen? It, I was the first thought from my mind was, OK, so is this just what we're going to do every year is like the next best team that just blows anybody out? It's like, oh, this is the greatest team we've ever seen. But when you really take a look at it. Uh, cause even last year with the LSU team, I was like, you know, was it really, but again, you, you dive deeper, you take a look at the numbers, you see the things that they did and you, you really have to look back and like, Oh crap. Like, yeah, this actually was a phenomenal offense, a great defense. And, um, but I, I agree where it's like, you know, it just gets overlooked because it's Alabama. And I also think part of it too, was because this is such a weird college football season. There was other storylines to go along with way it. more others like waste. I mean, the, the coronavirus storyline was going into the national championship game of are they going to be able to was Ohio State going to play on the 11th or are they going to move it to the 18th? Because they don't mm-hmm. have enough guys mm-hmm. like it was up until what the Wednesday before, I think, or the Thursday before they're like, no, we're going to play. So the coronavirus storyline was going on through the whole through the whole time. Um, and so, yeah, so this was kind of like on the back on the back burner. Also, uh, Chris Fowler, he is not good at college football. I know we've talked about him a couple times. I like Chris Fowler as an, I think tennis, he's a, he's a great tennis announcer. I enjoy Chris Fowler. I would say I'm a fan of Chris Fowler, but God, he just, he doesn't do it for me. And he should not be calling national championship games. Yeah. When it comes to college football, I think, you, you know, uh, and it's a big game. Uh, the first guy you want up there is Tess, and the second guy for me is Sean McDonough, and those could even be interchangeable, one and two. Uh, but I agree, like his he his demeanor is just a little too uh, I guess relaxed. I guess is the best word to 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 put it. Like even in the big moments when he does 
project his voice a little bit more to emphasize the big play moment, it still is kind of reserved in a sense to me because you do like that, uh, you know, that 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 call that like really captures the electricity of the yes. moment. And uh, yeah, yeah, Musburger. Yeah, he's a great another one. Another great one. Uncle Brent. Um, but yeah, he he does kind of lack that. Uh, Chris Fowler does. Um. Yeah. Also, another thing, too, is the Texas fans need to maybe get back step, take a step back after their Steve Sarkeesian wet dream on Monday night of, first of all, you don't have the same athletes that Alabama has. So when he's running this offense, yeah, he called a fantastic game. The motion called some great plays. You don't have the athletes to compete with Alabama. And uh, is he going to be calling the offensive plays? Because I don't know if you said what he's doing. So maybe let's take a step back of, oh, this is, we're going to week one against whoever they play. I don't know who they play week one, but um, but week one, that's what we're getting. Maybe let's take a step back here. And, uh, and uh, it's going to be a couple-year process there with Sark. I think they play, oh, they play uh, the Raging Cajuns on September 4th. Maybe let's take a step back there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I thought the same thing. Like when you're playing with the best players in the nation, yes. things are a little bit easier for you. Uh, yes. It's like you know, it's like playing Madden on rookie mode. You know, you uh, it's it's a little bit easier to put up big numbers when you got uh, five star recruits. You know, at basically every every skill spot. So uh, yeah, the the expectations need to be tempered a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, you can't. I mean, we we all know how Texas fans get. For sure. Did you know that in 2022 is the start of a home and home with Alabama? Yes, I did. Yes. So that should be uh, tasty. And then I just see an article on The Athletic now that in the 2021 class, there were 52 four- and five-star recruits in the state of Texas. Uh, how many do you think signed with Alabama, and how many have signed with Texas? You said there's 52? Yes. I will say 10 signed with Alabama and two signed with Texas. Uh, seven, it's actually better than you think. Seven have signed with Alabama and six have signed with Texas. Okay. So not uh, terrible. And I have to see how many signed with Ohio State because Ohio State has been picking off. They're um, the number one. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma, I kind of count Oklahoma in with Texas when they're when we're recruiting Texas, but Ohio State is sneaky. One of the t- top teams that poaches all the top Texas players. Yeah, like Garrett Wilson. Um, Jackson Smith and, and Jogba, he is up there. They had Dobbin. They the Barrett, like they got a ton of Ohio. State. Yeah, go they back to JT ton. Barrett. Yeah, they they yeah. JT always... Barrett, Baron Browning, who's a linebacker number five, and it started with Urban Meyer, who we could talk about later on. Um, but it started with uh, with uh, Urban Meyer kind of making Ohio State more of a national recruiting. Um, national recruiting thing. But yeah, that was the national championship game. It was good for about a quarter and a half. Yeah. Uh, and the Ohio state should have never kicked that field goal. Like, what are you doing? We're just going to, that's, that's another thing. Like, is, um, what was it? It was like 21 to service, probably 28, 14. And they kicked the field goal and people are like, Oh, I saw people like, yeah, I got to get some points. I'm like, yeah, I get some points. You got to get a touchdown. This field yeah. goal isn't going to do anything. Like you're not stopping Alabama, 
but uh, whatever. All right, move on. Let's go on to the uh, NFL. Let's talk about the coaching, the Cowboys' new defensive coordinator, who is Dan Quinn. Uh, I would say I think I don't know where what your thoughts are on this round, but I think Dan Quinn would be is going to be a fine defensive coordinator. They need to get some. They need to get him some players, especially on the defensive line, and help out the secondary. But you see, guys, who Dan Quinn probably should have been fired after the Super Bowl with the Falcons, or definitely should have been fired the year after that, because once you lose a game like that, you just there's no there's no coming back from that. Right. There's no coming back from that. So he should have probably been let go about three seasons ago. But I feel like. He's got a bad reputation for his head coach. The defense hasn't been great in Atlanta the past two years, which obviously is a defensive guy, but they've had a lot of injuries. But I feel like he could be like a Gus Bradley, who when Gus Bradley left Jacksonville, he went to, this time he went to, um, uh, where he, he was in, uh, I think, the Chargers defensive coordinator, and he did a good job with the defense. Like I think this is a good move. It's a better move than Mike Nolan. And he's he's gonna bring some new some new stuff to the Cowboys defense uh next year. But he also needs the players to help him out. Yeah, no, I think this is a great move. Um I've I've seen a couple of people that are kind of dogging the move because of his performance in Atlanta. I mean, the guy got to a Super Bowl flat flat out. Yeah, no, did they get up to a big lead and then absolutely crap the bed? Yeah. And did he have some bonehead calls along the way, you know, in his coaching head coaching uh career? Absolutely. But this guy was a solid defensive coordinator. You know, we've seen time and time again where plenty of guys are great coordinators and just, you know, can't cut it to be head coaches. Um, I do think Dan Quinn will probably be another head coach in the league again this year, or excuse me, uh, in his career. Um, you think so? I do. I do. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another job. So that, that leads me to my next point is um, I as far as the players that he has now, I think he might be able to work with it to make it a serviceable defense. You know, they're probably still going to be in that bottom 10 to bottom half of the league as far as defense. Because the bottom line is they just don't have any cap space and they don't have any draft capital to really trade anybody or make any big moves. So it's going to be a while before they're able to get guys in on this defense. Now, so with that, you know, if you maybe gave it two, three years, is he still going to be around? Who knows? That's why, that's what I'm saying. I don't know if he'll still be around then. But if he is, you look, you know, towards the future and down the road, I think this defense could find its way back into a top 10, top 12 defense. You know, once they, they get some cap relief and, you know, they're able to draft some guys and get some, some new bodies in there. But until then, you know, you should still expect a below average defense. But I do think he's going to be able to make this thing go and, uh, and take it heading into the right direction yeah i i see here's the thing about dan quinn i don't think he would be a head coach until the cowboys got a good defense and who knows when that's going to be uh it's going to be definitely down the road and everybody is trying to find i thought pro football talk tweet this out florio and i actually think this was a good point so when Atlanta's offense went in the tank after Shanahan left. If they would have hired Shanahan, they probably would have kept their winning ways up, but they didn't. They kept Dan Quinn. And, like, Minnesota, okay offense for the last couple of years, kind of in the same system. Stefanski turns around the – like, everybody wants a Shanahan or is hiring offensive coaches because that's what the league is going to. So – 
yes, the league goes in cycles and this and that, but if you want the next hotshot offensive coordinator or the next new hot offensive thing, you're going to hire that guy as your head coach. So that's why I don't know if Dan Quinn's going to get a head coaching job uh, again. And maybe he doesn't want a head coaching job because he gets back to the defensive side, just focusing on that. It's less pressure to deal with. And he just feels like, you know what, I just like, I just like being a defensive coordinator. I'm I'm at peace where, where with what I'm at, but yeah, they definitely need some players and and also like how are you going to how how can you sell Dan Quinn to your fan base if you're trying to bring him back as a head coach? Uh I mean I, I think it depends on the situation of what the team is looking at or what they're facing. Um uh, you know, if it's a if it's a younger team you know, you might, you know, it might be a tougher sell if it's a team that has a little bit more veterans and that is already, you know, strong defensively um, or maybe is more strong offensively needs a little boost to that defense. I think that that way you can kind of sell it a little bit. I mean, we've seen we see it all the time. These guys that don't deserve second chances that get For them sure. on these retreads. And I think like if you're if you're choosing between Dan Quinn or Matt Patricia, who are you taking? Neither. No, you have to pick one. The answer is Dan Quinn. You're probably, the answer, is Dan Quinn. Probably, yeah, exactly. but no one's going to hire Matt Patricia. Again. Matt Patricia, no, agreed. Matt Patricia won't won't ever be a head coach again. Uh, you know, and so and probably but, neither is Dan Quinn. I, I think he will be. I think he All will right. be. I just you know you know you know where I think he he could end up is uh, back in Seattle once Pete Carroll retires. Okay, they could. I could sure I could see that, but yeah, I I don't know. I just don't. Um. I don't know. I would think they want someone different. That's the I just don't under. I, you can't. I don't know. I just don't think you can get a guy that. He's shown he just lost it as a head coach in game mm-hmm. management down the stretch. Like you think Anthony Lynn's going to get another head coaching job? Probably not. But he, yeah. What's the difference? They both had terrible game management. Other than Dan Quinn made it to a Super Bowl. That's your difference right there. Okay. Well, then guess what? They never made it back and they didn't win it. <laughs> um. And yeah, I just, I don't know, but I think it's a good move. They definitely need some interior athletic defensive linemen. Cause that's what Dan Gilbert or Dan Gilbert, Dan, uh, Dan Quinn likes with Grady Jarrett in, uh, Atlanta. And we'll see what, the, I mean, the Cowboys have the 10th or the, they have the 10th pick, right? Or the ninth, uh, 10th, 10th. I mean, they got a lot of like corner or here's another thing. Like they got some decisions to make because I would not be shocked if they go offensive line because they need to rework that offensive line. And Tyron Smith's days are coming to an end. So I wouldn't be – we've seen it. They have they are not afraid to draft that offensive lineman early. So I would not be surprised if they took, like, an offensive lineman. They got a lot of things that they could go in camp and with the cap uh, going to what? The floor is going to be 175. That's mm-hmm. not really uh, a help to the Cowboys because they do not really have any cap space right now. Um, they, uh, they are in trouble, like a lot of teams. No, I actually think the Cowboys have cap space. I saw here, I'm pulling up spot track. I think they have like $20 million in cap space coming up the next year. Um, so they can make some moves, I think. Um, yeah, the Cowboys have $26 million in cap space for this year, and then in 2021... Um, we'll update that. They, they're actually not in cap hell like they have been lately. They are looking at, uh, around $10 million right now for cap space or $18 million in cap space. 
So that's not, I mean, that's not terrible for the Cowboys for what they have been. It's not when they're yeah. cutting guys under the cap. It's not like the Steelers or the, the Saints are $100 million under the cap. The Eagles are $74 million. The Steelers are $13 million. Their team's really in trouble. The Cowboys, you could say, they're in the middle of the pack, but they're, they're, not, they're not terrible with cap space. So they can make some moves out there. Um, all right. We'll go over. Do you have anything to add on that, Ryan? Oh, he's doing a report. Um, we will uh, shift over to the games for the weekend as the divisional round starts. We'll go in order again like we did, uh, like we did last week. We'll start off with the Rams and the Packers. The line on that bad boy is six and a half. Green Bay minus six and a half. The total is going to be 45. Lots of questions for the Rams offense. I uh, and I would agree with that. I, I I think this game is an under game, and I think Green Bay wins. I think that Green Bay wins by about 10. What are your thoughts, Ryan? I just don't. I just can't trust golf in that thumb in the cold. Man, I'll tell you what this this microphone sounds better, but like I was trying, I was I had one last point about the uh, about the the Cowboys. Cap. Okay, let's go back to that then. Sorry. No, no, no. It wasn't a big deal. Um, oh, go, but make your point then. No, no. All I was saying was with 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 their cap space was uh, you know that I think that's either like one big move or maybe a couple small moves. It's never you know it's it's it, yeah. it is enough cap space, but is it really going to change the face of the defense? Probably not. But yeah, this this microphone is pissing me off. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh. All right. What are your thoughts on uh, Green Bay? Uh, Green Bay, LA, as we try and get the the train back on the tracks. Yeah, um, I think. I mean, I think this is. I think um, you know, as good as as the Rams played last week. You know, I think it was a mixture of them playing well and Seattle just not playing well at all. Um, I think. I think right now, Green Bay is kind of a runaway train. Uh, you know, as, as well as that defense is, or excuse me, as well as that offense is playing. I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams are just, they just seem to be like on another level. Like even like, you know, the ball is going to Devonte Adams in certain situations. And it's like, you could put, you know, three, four guys on him. and He's still going to catch that ball somehow. You know, if they're inside the 20 inside the 10, like there's one spot he's looking for and, you know, on first or second down, it's probably going to De- Devonte Adams. And still he, you know, it's just, it's just wild to me when you know that the guy that who the main target is, and you still can't stop them. And so I think that's kind of what the the, the uh, deal is going to be here with Green Bay. I think the running game with Aaron Jones is good enough. Um, I mean, and we've even seen Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon do well for him. So I think that running game isn't as big of a question mark as it has been in the past. And so when you have a balanced offense and, and Aaron Rodgers can start running a little play action with the bootleg, uh, you know, he's he's much more deadly. So I, I, I don't know if there's any any chance really that that the Rams win this game, uh, even with Jalen Ramsey and as good as that defense is that we've talked about, you know, the best in the league really right now. Um, I just think the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, you know, an MVP level, the way Devontae Adams is playing, uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to it's, it's tough for me to see the Rams taking this one away. Yeah, I mean, you have to be excited to watch Jalen Ramsey and. um. Devonte Adams go at it in the in in this matchup. Like how, boy, that's going to be a really. How many times is Adams going to win that matchup? Is big, but that, also the other receivers have kind of shown up. You know who's showing up? The 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 Packers have themselves a tight end and uh, Robert Tanyan. 
He has Tunyon. been a f- Tunyon. Huh? Rhyme, Tunyon rhymes with Funyon. Tunyon. He has been a find for them out of nowhere, and he's he's finally kind of they've tried to find it with uh, Jimmy Graham. The fact that Mercedes Lewis is still in the league is amazing. Wild. He was drafted in like 2003, I think, or 2000. He's been in the league forever. The fact he's still in the league um, is is amazing, and so they've got a yeah. He's 36 years old. Mercedes Lewis, 36. Um, just remarkable. When he when was he drafted? He was drafted in 2000. And six, yeah. So he's been in the league. He's going to have a 14-year career in the NFL. Wild, as they say. But, yeah, I just – I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, though, because I I don't know how many points the Rams are going to be able to score. And I know the the Packers have really been able to score on everybody. But, uh, um, but man, I think that Rams defense is going to be able to slow down just a little bit the uh the Packers offense and I yeah I I would tend to agree with you that it's hard for me to see a path where the uh Rams win this game I think it's gonna take a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown and uh you know a turnover in Packers territory that leads to a score um that's really what's gonna take so it is gonna take some some defensive uh uh big time plays for them because like you said the the Packers are, are literally just scoring on everybody and uh you know scoring at will so it's it'll be uh it'll be a a fun time to watch there will be and then the night game I'm really looking forward to this one Buffalo and Baltimore on Saturday night Josh you could say probably two of the hottest teams in the league um Buffalo minus two and a half the total is 50. The Ravens, they played with some intensity. They have not played with the entire season they did against the Titans. Like, they hated the Titans for what uh-huh. they did to them in Baltimore with the logo and everything. Now, I don't know how you build that intensity up for the Bills. The Bills haven't – you haven't played the Bills this year. You haven't done it. The Bills haven't done anything to you. There's no hate like they hated the Titans. Uh-huh. So – Obviously, it's a right to play for the conference championship. There's the intensity there, but but you could see it. They just looked like they had a different intensity. That hate just pushes you to another level. So will they be able to keep that up against the Bills? I don't know if they keep that same level of intensity, but I think Baltimore is going to beat Buffalo. I don't want them to win. I want my dream scenario is obvious. This is because I'm some, but I think we deserve a Browns Bills AFC Championship game. The two the two franchises need it. Just it's like it would be great if if the Browns and Bills could face face off each other in an AFC Championship game. That would be fantastic. The Lake Erie Brotherhood for sucky football now has a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. So many storylines along that line, but uh, it's hard to go against the Ravens right now. And you could say the same thing for the Bills. Like I said, two hottest teams in the league. I I really don't know which way this is going. That's why I'm so excited for it. Yeah, it's gonna be a great matchup. Um, two you know quarterbacks that uh, you know we're both doubted for different things that are that are really balling out now. Um, but much like how I kind of mentioned the Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, 
Uh, you got the same thing going on in, in Buffalo with Josh, uh, Josh Allen and, and Stefan Diggs. Um, you know, and you add, you add in the little extra piece of Cole Beasley who really kind of can kind of be the catalyst sometimes to that offense of getting things done from the slot. Um, Isaiah McKenzie, who's kind of a Swiss army knife. They use that guy all over the field. He's returning punts. He's, you know, running reverses, reverse pass. Like he's doing everything. He's just one of those speed guys that get the ball in his hands and let him work. Um, and then that defense, you know, with Buffalo as well, really, really good defense. I think they're a top 10 defense in DVOA. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, they, they, this is a very similar situation with Buffalo. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to slide Baltimore. They're playing very, very well. Um, but I think that defense for, for Buffalo is good enough to, to hold that running game at bay and maybe force Lamar Jackson to pass. Now, I say that, but we just said on Monday how he was knifing through the Titans defense. Now, the Titans defense is marginal, or not marginally, is, is considerably much worse than this Buffalo's defense. That defense is very bad for Tennessee, but still, he has a way of, of changing the game with one run. Um, so, you know, you always got to kind of keep an eye on that. But I, I think this is, I, I would, you know, if, if I'm playing this, which I probably end up will, I'm taking Buffalo. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the over. I know the total's 50. I felt like there should have been more points in the Tennessee game. And I here's the thing about Balt, I Arthur Smith, Brian Dable isn't going to do an Arthur Smith, Mike Vrabel type of thing where we have to establish the run. Right. They're trying to run as little as possible. Yes, they are going to run as little as they they throw to open up the run. That is their that is their game plan. They are going to throw the ball, and Marlon Humphrey's a good corner, as you said. But Marcus Peters, look, he he's hot and cold. He had that nice pick. I thought he interfered with the dude in Tennessee. The guy just ran right into him. Um, he could get he could have a defensive lapse at times. How they contain Beasley is going to be big. So Brian Dable has been dialing up some great plays. I think that they're going to throw, throw, throw. And that's why I think there's going to be, I think this is like 28, 24. So that gets over the total. I don't know. Like, that's the thing. They're not going to just, they're not going to call themselves out of the game. When if, if they get a 10, nothing lead, they're not going to just say, Hey, you know what? We got to run the ball with, uh, with, Devin Singletary and TJ Yeldon. No, 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 no. They're going to keep throwing it. They don't care. And that's what good coaches um, that's what good coaches should do. But that should be a dandy. That should be a great, great, great game on Saturday night. And there's going to be, I think, like 6,700. Didn't it look like there were more than like 6,000 fans there, 7,000 fans at Buffalo? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I, I really believe that they it would be hard for them to really cook the books on the tickets, I guess. Because they had every fan come in and take a COVID test on Tuesday before the game. Mm-hmm. So they could, so they had like a high, I saw they had 130 positive tests. So those fans couldn't go to the game. So they had to get, give them the new season ticket holders. But uh, I, maybe I'm bad at judging like how full stadiums look or whatever, but it looks like these stadiums are way more filled to the capacity than what they, than what percentage they say. Well, I mean the, you know, the thing with, with, uh, with uh, Bill's Mafia too. I mean, they just seem to multiply. So you, I don't think you're you're wrong in that. Uh, you know, every every day you turn on you you pull up uh, Instagram or, or Twitter and you see a new baby getting smashed through a table. So uh, they they pump those things out like uh, you know like hotcakes out up in Bill's country. So you know I don't I don't uh, fault you for that. 
I've also made my way on the Bills TikTok. Oh yeah, Bills and Browns TikTok after uh, after Sunday. A lot of similarities between the two. I can, a lot I of can people imagine. That, a lot of people that look the same and a lot of similarities. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, and then to the Sunday we go. The first game is going to be the Browns on the road against Kansas City. The line is ten, and the total is uh, fifty-seven and a half. A lot of points for the Browns to win this game. I think the Browns got to score forty. And I'll tell you what, I think the Browns can score in the 40s against Kansas City. Um, did you see our guy, uh, T.A., what he tweeted earlier, what he tweeted yesterday? Uh, about probably. teams and the buys. Uh, no, that one I did not see. Okay, so he was wondering when you get a bye week and then you rest your starters the week before the bye. That's mm-hmm. what uh, the Chiefs did. So their players will have not played in like 20 days. Right. The starters. In the past 10 years, four teams have rested starters uh, and lost. That was the 2011 Packers, the 2016 Cowboys. That was the Des Catch game. The 2017 Steelers, who lost to um, Jacksonville. And then the Ravens last year when they lost to Tennessee. Two teams rested starters and one. That was the 2017 Eagles. They had Foles. And then the 2018 Saints. I don't know who the, I don't remember who the Saints beat. Um, but also that those playoff teams are one in five against the spread and two and four straight up in the last 10 years. And the team that covered against the spread, um, was Philly and they were an underdog. Um, so they won out, right? So that's why they, um, so that's why they covered. So if you want to look at the numbers, the numbers have not been great when you've rested your guys in week 17 before the bye week, you know, and I, I've always been a big proponent of, you know, at least play your guys a little bit, especially if you do have that buy, just so that you can kind of keep that, uh, uh, you know, familiarity and, and stay loose, you know, rest versus rust type thing. Um, but I think, and it might be a cop out to say, I think the Chiefs and their athletes might be above that. You know, Patrick Mahomes, he, you know, it looks like he can pick up a football and just throw it 80 yards. Uh, you know, his first throw, uh, Tyreek Hill, you know, you've never seen a cheetah stretch because they're always ready to go type deal. Um, so I think that the only thing that could get in the chiefs way is if they do have, you know, so, you know, we've, we've seen them. They're very prone to these lackadaisical kind of sleepy starts and they fall behind and then they always rely on themselves to just get back in it. Um, so I think that's, that's the only thing is if they have one of those, uh, and then Andy Reid starts maybe scrambling a little bit, uh, you know, to try to make it up. But I, that, that's really the only thing that I think that could really slow down or hinder this, this chiefs, this chiefs team. I think they're, they're on a one way trip to, uh, to the AFC championship and, and probably the Super Bowl too, uh, uh, this season. And the chiefs though, at the end of the regular season did not play well. They did not cover down the stretch at all. They they blew out the Jets in November. But other than that, they I think their largest margin of victory was like six points in their last over the last two months. They had a close games all throughout. Almost lost to Atlanta. So they have not. Maybe that's because oh, it got to November. Hey, we're just going to rest up um, for the playoffs or something. And like it's like the NBA thing. Hey, we're in the playoffs. Let's win the games, put it on cruise control, and then move on. But they have not. All their games have been close since the Jets blowout at the first week in November. So 
Um, look, the Browns' defense, they're getting Denzel Ward back. They're getting Kevin Johnson back. Their top two corners or their slot corner and their starting corner. So that's good news. Right? They should be getting Batonio back. And the Chiefs' run defense is 31st in DVOA. So I don't – look, this is not one of the, hey – we got to drain the clock. The Browns in the last seven weeks have been like a top five passing team in the first quarter. That's how they get the leads, and then they run the ball, mm-hmm. which I don't see that changing at all. But if there is like the weaknesses for both defenses are the strengths for both teams. Both teams' offenses. Like the Browns' secondary is not very good. They're, they, they take risk and try and get turnovers, which when it works, it pays off. When it doesn't, it turns out pretty bad. And the, and the Chiefs' rush defense is atrocious. We all know how good the Browns run defense, rush offenses. And here's another storyline. The Kareem Hunt returning to Kansas City. He looked like a man possessed on Saturday, on Sunday night against the Steelers. I haven't seen that man. He hadn't run that hard in ages. And he is ready for a big-time performance. I don't think they're going to get more carries than Chubb. But when he gets the ball, he is going to want to take it to the house every single time. And he is ready for a big-time performance on Sunday night. I, I'm taking the Browns plus 10. I know it's a homer. No, this is also a no-one-believes game. Sammy Watkins is already saying the uh, Browns have no uh, aren't going to be tough competition at all. They might be, but guess what? Don't give them that bill bulletin board material again. We just saw what happened last week. Stop giving bulletin board material to teams. It's not going to work out in your favor. Yeah, I don't understand. I didn't understand that from Sammy Watkins uh, when I saw that. And, and of all people, too. I mean, Sammy Watkins, I mean, come on. It's, that's not the guy that I want speaking up for me if I'm the Chiefs uh, or, or, or providing bulletin board material. Um, but, uh, yeah, that part, that part was, uh, was, uh, was a head scratcher. But I agree about Kareem Hunt. I think he's really going to try to prove that, hey, look, I sh- you guys should have kept me. Uh, you know, you, kept, you, you have Tyreek Hill here who arguably has done – just as bad or now worse stuff than me, you know, in very similar. Oh, he's situations. done worse. And so, uh, you know, I think I, I agree with you where, you know, you can't force the ball to Kareem Hunt, but I still think he's going to be a, a huge X factor, both running the ball and catching the ball. Um, and uh, he's going to, he's going to try to try to make these chiefs pay. Well, the thing too is look, Travis Kelsey props, take the over whatever they are. And then some, the Browns are not stopping Travis Kelsey. Um, and then, one last thing. Look, the Browns, this season for the Browns has been icing on the, this is, anything here is house money. You want a playoff game. But if they somehow go into win in Kansas City, that would be, look, I believe, I believe. I was not believing going into Pittsburgh. Now I talked myself into that they were going to win on come Sunday. But uh, I believe in this squad. I don't know why. I, I, they've, they've just, they, they got a different look. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think they're covering that 10 points. I really, I really do. I really do. I, I don't know. And then the Steelers. Did you see this, Ryan? The Steelers are still, we're still talking trash yesterday to the Browns. Oh, I didn't see yesterday. I saw Chase Claypool on his Instagram Live or his Twitch or something like that. TikTok still talking. Live. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know he was. Uh, I didn't no, know this time it was yesterday. Eric Ebron on Insta. Uh, saying MJ Stewart posted a picture or something who's the Browns like fifth string cornerback and he got the interception against Roethlisberger the first one and uh, Eric Ebron's like you gave up two touchdowns this week stop stop celebrating bro and he just responded have fun on vacation while we're still playing <laughs> like, like these Steelers players do what are you doing yeah you lost stop talking 
Stop talking. Go home. Go on vacation. Go to the golf course. Get on your Twitch and stream 24-7. You got nothing else to do. That's not the Steeler mentality that was happening in the mid 2000s. These these Tomlin needs to get to these get to the these, these Steelers. These are not the same Steelers. Charmin soft, are, huh? Charmin soft. Charmin soft. Sore losers. Just just I cannot believe they're still talking trash the other the other day. Cannot believe it. Cannot believe it. And I did watch the game on Tuesday night. I mean that that I will say that's my favorite Browns game of all time. Not that the list was that high, but that was even better the second time you watch it. And Mike Tomlin still punts. All right, then the, the final game is going to be Tampa Bay, New Orleans. New Orleans 2-0 in the regular season. They're giving Brady three points. The total is 52. What a lot of people are saying, if Aaron Rodgers wins on Saturday, could well, will probably be or could possibly be Drew Brees' last game in New Orleans. This is He's going to retire at the end of the year. That Saints defense, now they obliterated the Bucks both times they played them. It's hard to beat a team three times. I know the cliche there, blah, 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 all that. But uh, I don't know. I'm taking the Saints here. I, uh, I'll i lay the three. Just something about the Bucks. I, they haven't been there yet. Winning time, I think they've, they have looked a lot better down the stretch, and Brady is a big thing, but something about Bruce Arians, I think Bruce Arians is going to screw it up somehow. Mm. I don't know how. I just, I think he's going to screw it up, and I like Bruce Arians, but just something about the coaching, just, I'm a little put off by, I don't know. And it's amazing that Byron left, which is their offensive coordinator. It is amazing. Like, it is. Like, I, like, the other day, I was like, if Byron left, which, like, puts, like, two or three years, like, as being a good offensive coordinator to get like, he's probably going to be a head coach. Like Byron left, which is going to be a head coach. If he wants, like, that's just crazy. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know, I know new Orleans has, has smacked Tampa Bay both times they've played this year. Um, but you know, you talk about hot teams and I think you got to put Tampa Bay in there. Like you said, they, oh, they, they are. Really, they're very hot right now. They're rolling. Um, I, I think they found a way to finally use all of their weapons uh, and spread the ball around. Uh, with with their three big wide receivers and, and then obviously Gronk and Kevin Brayton. And I think if they run the ball the way they did uh, last week, that that's definitely going to open up the passing game and give them a little more, a little more, uh, uh, you know, wiggle room. I, I actually like Tampa Bay in this game. Um, you know, it, you know, it's funny all the years that that Breeze and and Brady were in opposite divisions. We could never get a Breeze Brady Super Bowl, and then now we get Breeze and Brady against each other. But it's the, the you know the divisional round, not even a championship game. But uh, you know, you can take what you can get. Um, I, I just Drew Breeze does still leave a little bit of questions for me. You know, a Agreed. little bit of question marks because of uh, you know the the advanced age. He's he just seems like he's always banged up, and the arm strength isn't there. You know, he's always been a guy that relied on his accuracy. Uh, you know, that's that hasn't wavered too much. Um, but uh, I, I like Tampa Bay in this game. I think they I think they went outright. I'm just going with the Saints because of the defense. I think they can create create more and wreak more havoc than the Bucks defense can. Um, and that's what I'm going to lean with. And look, we could get a, a Rodgers Brady. We never got the Super Bowl, but the NFC Championship game that would be great. That would be. Um, like I think all the possibilities. Maybe I'm being a homer because the Browns have a chance, but I think all of the potential matchups for the conference championship game are pretty tasty. Yeah. Like I don't think there's really one where you're like, oh man, I don't really want this team in the 
in the conference champion. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, like you said, you get the Browns, Bills, the two lovable losers, the two. The, the Browns, Ravens would be. The Browns, Ravens would be, you know, awesome. The worst Bills, case scenario. Chiefs, Bills, Chiefs would be great. Uh, you know, two big time quarterbacks with big time arms. Uh, I think instead of playing that game, they should just have a, a throwing contest to see who can throw it the farthest. Um, but like you said, you know, you can get Breeze Rogers, you can get Brady Rogers. Um, so you know, it's uh, it, it's 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 shaping up to be a, a great conference conference uh, championship weekend. And how about one last thing before we go about this coaching news that came out today? What about the? Uh... Did you see the stats of the ages for the uh, quarterbacks in the AFC and the NFC? Yeah, it's it's staggering how much younger they are in the AFC and the NFC. Well, they're all three of the four are from the same draft class, the 2018 draft class. Right. And then you got Mahomes, who was drafted the year before. And Baker is actually the oldest guy of them, all of the four. Um, and then you got the old the old guard. With uh, Rogers, Breeze, I think their average age is 37. That's just because Goth then weighs it down. So you got the old. It's like it's pretty much the new age of the quarterbacks and the old guard. Yeah. Of and three quarterbacks that are on rookie contracts because Goff got the extension, Mahomes got the extension. But you either got the old, the old legend, or the old guard that's probably taken the cap hit isn't as great as someone. As like Mahomes or Goff, and then you got the guys on the rookie contract. So teams like it's always like get the quarterback, hope they're good, well, and then you got to move on because they you got to pay them. But it is fascinating how it's this the old guard and then the new guard. And also, I was thinking about this like there was also a run there probably in wouldn't you say from like 2012 to maybe 2016, 2017, where it just did not seem like there are a lot of good quarterbacks. Maybe even 2010. Like there was just like, hey, we'll talk ourselves into Brandon Whedon. Maybe he could be good, or uh, Christian Pond, or Jake Locke, or like these guys. And like, there. I were, mean, as far as guys getting drafted, yeah, like like very much so. Yeah, very guys much in so. college. Like, would you, wouldn't you say from that stretch, like Jameis and Mariota were like the best two? Uh, well, Andrew Luck was in there. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, Andrew yeah, Luck, say, he's yeah. Retired. Andrew Luck. But, yeah, but like other than that, there were not a lot of good quarterbacks before like the 2017 with Deshaun Watson and that, like there are not a lot of good quarterbacks. And now it's like, there's like five quarterbacks that could be drafted in the first round this year. You got four of them that were drafted in 2018 or five in the first round there. And they all look to be pretty good. It's like now there's, there's never enough quarterbacks, but you, oh, now you're like, sure. man, there's a lot. The quarterback pool is much better than what it was in the mid 20. 10s or teens, whatever you call Well, it. I think that a lot of that has to do with how the NFL game has changed, right? Now now more offenses are adapting those college-style offenses, so it's a lot easier to come in and adapt where, you know, you go from running a spread in college and then you have to run a pro-style offense now in the NFL, whereas today it's the offenses are very, very similar. Yes, that is true. All right, so the big coaching rumor going around is that uh, Urban Meyer – is going to be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think he's like the only one that interviewed for the job. So he's going to be the, he's it's working their way towards him being the next head coach there. I am surprised by this. Not because Urban said, oh, I don't think I'm going to coach again after Ohio State. That's a look. He, he probably seriously meant that he wasn't going to coach then, but he cannot stay away from coaching. I'm just surprised he's going to the NFL. One, because he can't always he can't get the best players. 
the facilities, he's already asked Shad Khan to update the facilities in Jacksonville because they're nowhere near close to what they were at Ohio State. One of that is because they have to actually pay players in the NFL in college. They don't. And how is he going to deal with, like, a good season in the NFL? You lose probably four games. Maybe that takes the stress off of him because at Ohio State, he felt like he had to win every single game or go 11-1 and to make the playoff. But, like, how is he going to handle losing a minimum of four of four games there? And then now Jacksonville is a great spot. They got Trevor Lawrence. I saw they have four picks, I think, four or five picks in the top 65 this year. So a lot of draft capital. But how is he going to deal with, like, just the you're going to lose – you're going to lose four or five games. So at least, so how is he going to deal with that? I think, I think ceiling, if he wins five or six games, that'll be a good start for him. Uh, you know, um, so, but the, the good thing is it's working in his favor is the AFC South, you know, we'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson. We'll see what happens with the Phil rivers and the Colts. Uh, you know, the Titans, you got to assume are going to continue to keep playing well. So it's not like he's going into a juggernaut of a division, um, but, uh, I, yeah, I think, I think it's a good spot for him. You know, obviously having the number one overall pick, you got to assume they're going to take Trevor Lawrence and start building that team up. They have a good running back in Jace Robinson, a couple good wide receivers in, in DJ Chark and, uh, and, uh, LaVisca Chenault. So, uh, you know, they have a couple pieces there offensively, obviously defensively that, you know, was, they had that juggernaut just a few years back, back in what, 2016, 2017. 2017. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, that's, that's going to have to be a rebuild situation, but I am interested to see, uh, you know, I could see this going one of two ways. This could go very similar to, uh, the Nick Saban, uh, Bobby Petrino in Atlanta, um, type of way, or he could go on and be, you know, it's could this could turn into a, a, uh, uh, Pete Carroll situation. Shout out Pete Carroll getting two shout outs in, in one show. Uh, it could turn out to be a Pete Carroll situation where he really turns that organization around and, and builds it to something that, uh, you know, come to expect Jacksonville to be a good team. Um, but I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see how he does. There's already been rumors of who he's going to bring on his coaching staff. I saw something earlier that maybe Alex Smith might be considered for his offensive coordinator job, which is crazy. Um, and just so we clear the air, Tim Tebow said he will not join his staff. He's going to continue striking out at oh, uh, amazing clips in the in good. the mi- in the minors. Uh, so yeah, he's going to continue striking out against single A pitchers. Um, so that's you know we can get that out of the way. But uh, no, I'm excited for it. I want to see how this shapes up. I think that's great for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, to to have a head coach and, and have a guy that has a good idea of what Trevor Lawrence can do. Um, and you know, uh, uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how he. Because, I mean, it's easy when you're at Florida, when you're at Ohio State, and you're just getting the best athletes and the best recruits year after year after year, and there's really no cap on how many guys you can get, whereas obviously the draft and free agency limits that in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see how he really builds up guys and how he develops them. Because the NFL, notoriously, they don't develop guys, right? It's just you come in, you work you're on your own to get better, and then you kind of you have to find your way into the scheme and play well. So it'll be interesting to see how he does on that side of it. Well, you, the coaches kind of help with your technique and everything. And, but yes, more development on your own. But I think if the, if you get like Bill Callahan, wouldn't you say he's a guy that makes offensive linemen much better than he develops offensive linemen? Yeah, no, that that's true. But I mean, like, yeah, you, you pick out the one guy, but, but I mean, you, you talk to NFL guys, NFL guys have said it time and time again, that as far as personal development, that comes from you working out alone. No, for sure. I mean? For sure. But the coaches still have to help. Say, fix your technique here and there. 
when things go wrong and help you along. I get what you're saying, but they're, uh-huh. it's not like the coaches are just saying, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Go out there and do it. And they're not going to tell you what's wrong. If you're whatever you're doing it. Uh-huh. Um, and also these guys are like growing, still could be growing into their bodies at 22, 23. The other thing too, is like, how is he going to motivate guys that are just like in it for the money? Because in college, no one's in it for the money, obviously. They're in it to make money at the NFL. Like, how is he going to motivate those guys? Like, I saw Cam Hayward for the Steelers in his big, their big pregame speech on, like, Friday or Saturday. He made it known to everybody that this is how much money we're playing for. Like, this is how much money we get if we win, how much money we lose, how much money we win the next round. Like, that was their big rallying cry for the Steelers was the money. It wasn't about winning a playoff game. It was about how much money we're going to make. So this is a job for guys. So how much, how is he going to deal with that aspect of these guys are here for the money? And yeah, they love football, but remember they got the check that they're wanting too. Yeah. uh, You know, a lot of that too, part of your job as a coach is to kind of weed those guys out. Um, because, uh, Deion Sanders a couple weeks ago was talking about when he, when he came on, when he, uh, got drafted and, uh, was early on in his career, there was a lot of guys like that too, that were in it for just the check and in it for just the money. And he said straight up, he's like, yeah, I was a rat. I went to the coaches and I I gave him a list. I said, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, they're in it for the money. They're not here to win. And so sure enough, he said after about a year or two, those guys were all gone. And what they had in there was a big culture change and a change of guys that wanted to win uh, and, and play football to win, not just for the check. And so that, that, I think that's part of his, his, his job, too, is, is to change over that culture and go from a losing mentality, a losing, uh, you know, a, a, a losing culture, for, for lack of a better term, and get it to guys that expect to win, guys that want to win, guys that are playing for pride as uh, along with, you know, that, that check that comes along with a couple commas in it. So I think that's going to be a big part of his, of his job in this overhaul. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see already rumored for the GM is Ray farmer, which I oh, urban, that, yeah. urban you're listening, run away. Don't do it. If Ray farmer's coming along, do not, uh, do not do that. All right. And then as we wrap up here, I want to touch on the Mavericks. So we talked about in the off season, they made trades for Josh Richardson. They brought uh, James Johnson in and how they were going to revamp the defense, which was one of the worst in the league. Ryan, I have to tell you, through 10 games so far, the Mavericks are the second-best defensive rating in the NBA. Yeah. The, the Lakers have the best defensive team in the league. The Cavaliers, some might be surprised by that, have the third-best defensive team, the fourth. And defensive rating is going to be the Sixers, and the fifth is the Grizzlies. So they have reworked the defense, and now Porzingis is coming back. That should help them. He looked pretty good last night against the Hornets. That should help them with some more rim protection. So uh, the offense still there, but the um, but the uh, work to uh, the transition to help the defense out. We are seeing uh, returns early on. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely are. Um, and, 
you know, it's it's having Porzingis coming back, obviously, and protect the rim a little bit is going to be nice. Uh, you know, I knew having Dwight Powell back, who they didn't have a lot last season, was going to be a big bump. Uh, you know, he's not playing outstandingly right now, uh, for lack of a better word, but, you know, he's still getting it done. He's still going to be around the rim. He's still going to, you know, fight for those tough uh, rebounds. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein bringing him back, I think, has been great. Uh, you know, so they, they have a lot of guys, a lot of bigs, um, that can protect the rim and guys that can guard out past the, uh, you know, past the three point line too. So it's been good. I think that, you know, they're, they're on their way for, for a great season as long as they can stay healthy and, and uh, you know, stay away from the, the COVID. But uh, you know, other than that, you know, I, I like I said, I, I like what they've done so far. The offensive rating is suffering though. They're, they're uh, 16th. So right in the middle of the pack there, which I would say is, is expected. Because obviously they don't have their second best player. Luca needed a week to get into game shape. Now he's really turning it on. So would expect the offense to keep on coming along, and not and not surprising too. Because once you try and do something at the beginning, you're going to focus more on that. Uh, so the defense is going to be more of emphasis than the offense. So yes, the offense isn't at the historic clip as you would say from last season, but it's in the middle of the pack and it will probably only. Uh, get better but the whole NBA as a whole I I don't understand how they didn't have stronger policies or it just seems like they came in kind of unprepared for the season with traveling and corona I don't really know it just from what I've reading it sounds like they are unprepared for how many guys were going to test positive with their kind of laxed rules yeah, I'm sorry, I missed that first one. The NBA or the just the Mavericks? No, the NBA in general. Yeah, the NBA, absolutely. Yeah, yes. I think the reason you know they they wanted to toot their own horn and and break their arms, patting themselves on the back at the end of last year. But I mean, it's because rightfully so, though. But but I mean, the, all because they were in the bubble. I mean, the bubble the, the way they put that together was great. So that part they should absolutely be celebrated for. But yeah, once you let these guys you know range free, you see guys like George Hill making the the comments that he does about you know I'm still gonna do what I want if it's really that serious. Maybe we shouldn't be playing. Uh, you know, when you have guys with mentalities like that, this isn't gonna go as smoothly as last year, or last season did. Um, so I, I mean, I, I feel like they should have planned for that. I think uh, you know maybe expanded rosters a little bit more than what they did um, would would have helped. But yeah, it's it's it's. Off to, off to a bumpy start right now. You, you knew they had to plan for canceling games or rescheduling games, so that's fine. It is what it is. But, uh, yeah, I just don't think – I think if they thought it was going to go as smoothly as it did in, uh, in you know, at the end of, of last season, then they were they were sorely mistaken from the jump. But it's all oh, – I think I don't think they were expecting that. But it's also like some of the protocols of, like, you're able to go to these restaurants and you'll sit in a specific spot there and you could have a couple un- unidentified or – non-close relative guests in your hotel room like they gave these players a lot of leeway and to the players credit they took all of it um which i'm not surprised and then some huh and then some yes um so it's just i've it's almost kind of the things of like hey we're gonna say you could do this but like in the back of your head you're gonna be like we're we're trusting you that you're not gonna do like all of this it's like you could do that, but you know you probably shouldn't. Yeah. And the players are like, ah, psych. Nope, we're gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll see where there's. And then the big trade yesterday, James Harden goes to the Nets for what they got. They got four first round picks and they got four pick swaps. 
because uh, they can't have back-to-back first-rounders. Houston also got Cleveland's uh, first-round pick from the Bucks, and they get Victor Oladipo because Karis LeVert goes to Indiana. I mean, what a move. I thought Kyrie was going to be in the trade. I thought Brooklyn was going to say adios to Kyrie after he just went rogue after the insurrection last week uh, and hasn't come back. I don't know if Kyrie's going to play again this year, so smart on Brooklyn for getting James Harden because who knows what's going to happen with Kyrie. I think Harden's like the Kyrie insurance policy. Yeah. Of We don't know what he's doing. Who knows what's going to happen with him. We got to get an insurance policy. And it was James Harden. And they didn't really give up a lot. I guess. They gave up Levert. They gave up a lot of picks. But like they kept Joe Harris. They kept Dinwiddie. Jared Allen losing. I think that's a big loss. Mm-hmm. He's a good player. Um, but yeah, they got James Harden. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, uh, I think the plan that James Harden set in motion finally came to fruition. Uh, it was a huge trade. Um, I, but like you said, I guess we'll see how, how it plays out with Kyrie um, and uh, and what he ends up doing. I saw somebody say they, that they need to ship Kyrie to Washington and bring in Westbrook and recreate, uh, you know, the the old days of of the OKC uh, team with the with those three. But, uh, you know, while, while we're on the, the subject of Kyrie, I think I think this is probably his last last chance, don't you think? Or you think he's talented enough? that teams will continue to try to keep taking chances on him. But I mean, I think he's kind of run his course where like nobody's really surprised. I don't think with, uh, you know, the, with what's come about with him where he's just like, at first it came out that he was never going to play for the nets again. Then it came out that he was, you know, upset about the coaching hiring process and, you know, all this and that. And so I, I don't, I don't know. I think everyone's just kind of t- tired of Kyrie. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just think his chances are slowly dwindling if he even has any left. Oh, I think he has chances left. I don't know how many. Um, I don't think it's going to be with any contenders. Well, the Nets would gladly take him back if they still. Yeah, obviously. yeah. But it, but like, say this fails. Say he's like, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with the Nets. I'm not playing for the Nets, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's going to end up playing for like a, I don't know. The Cavs bring him back in the career full circle. <laughs> There you go. Maybe no, he wouldn't do that because that—that's LeBron move, right? Leave and then come back. Well, you got to win a title to come back. Kyrie—they ain't winning the title with this Cavs team. I think Kyrie's gonna like retire at the end of the year and just say I'm done. I think he needs that. I think that'd be doing everybody a favor. And it's the, the thing too is it's like it's a joy to watch him play basketball. Yeah, it really is a joy to watch him play. He's got the. Sick handles, the way he contorts his body around the rim for layoffs. I mean, it really is. When he's going, it is a joy to watch him play basketball. But he, um, credit to him, I guess. Look, he's he's definitely put his focuses outside of basketball on the front burner and saying, this is what I'm into. And, hey, it's it, it, he's his guy. He could say who he is. He's made a ton of money playing basketball. He could feel at peace with what he's he's won a championship. You, you could he had a he hit a league altering shot in the NBA, a shot that changed the complexion of the NBA for the next four or five years. And there's really no denying that. Um, and yeah, he could be at he could be at peace with this thing. And he, it's also two of what is an organization going to do. Like if what happened at the Capitol Wednesday didn't happen. I think he'd still be playing basketball right now. 
but that moved him or whatever, and he's doing other stuff. He goes, I need to take some time off and then come back. It's to each their own, I guess. I don't. It's also weird how he just doesn't communicate with the co- like Steve Nash. Like he's obviously not a fan of Steve Nash because Steve Nash didn't know he was not showing up. I, I don't know. Just a weird. He's got other things. Excuse me. On top of his mind, and that's what he wants to focus on other than other than basketball and and I think he's he's hamstrung the nets of what they're gonna do because um, they clearly wanted him back. I thought they would have traded him to Houston if they didn't. Uh, so yeah, I I don't really know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think anybody does. Uh, you know, it's 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 definitely wait and see. We're you're definitely on Kyrie's time uh, if you're the Nets. You know, uh, whenever he comes back, he'll come back. But until then, you just got to roll with with the guys you got now. And who would have thought the Cavs would have won the Kyrie trade when they got Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, and a first? Round I thought the pick same that thing t- that turned into thing. Colin Sexton, and they, yeah. they that was a dumb trade that accelerated LeBron leaving the Cavs because LeBron was ready to turn the keys over to Kyrie and him take the him take the uh him take over the reins and LeBron could play quote unquote second fiddle or whatever um and the Cavs I mean not like Boston won the I mean Boston you could say that they had more success than the Cavs but not like they won a championship or anything Yeah no that was my first thought too was what you know I think Cleveland's really feeling like they dodged a bullet, even though, uh, you know, at, at the time the return didn't look like it was a whole lot for for old Kyrie Irving. No, it was not a lot for Kyrie Irving. It was terrible. Um, it was terrible. But all right, Ryan, you have anything else you want to touch on here? Uh, that is it. Um, you, one one quick quick thing uh, at the beginning of the show, you did say uh, shout out to uh, Texas A&M Aggies who got to watch the game. Uh, that was in reference to the fact that. The scores of the Alabama A&M game and the score on Monday night were exactly the same. And, uh, you know, Jamie wanted to do a little troll job of you after the game and, and had me send you the screenshot of the of the two scores. And uh, when you said congrats to to the Aggies for watching the game, you texted me that back. I read it to her and she said, Ohio State got to watch the game, too. They just had better seats. And I was <laughs> they, like, <laughs> they made it. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty good little comeback from her. Uh, I, I didn't mention the beginning of the show, but, uh, that, that one had me rolling. She said, yeah, they, it seemed like they were watching the game too, just with better seats. They were watching. They were also participating. Um, one other thing. Oh, can I say this on national? So Ohio state has played for, that is now five national championships. They've played for since I've been alive. They've won two. They've lost three. The two times they have won a national championship. It is, uh, my dad, myself and his best friend, Howie have been, under the same roof. We were at his house, uh, my dad's friend's Howie's house in 2002 for Miami. Uh, I was not allowed to go over because it was a school night in 07 when they lost to Florida. 2008, we lived in Texas, so he did not come down to Texas. Against Oregon, he came down to the game, and we were all at AT AT&T Stadium for the game. And then uh, against Alabama, we were not obviously uh, all under the same roof. So I think we need to all be under the same roof for Ohio state to win uh, a national championship. Yeah, absolutely. It I think that seemed like, so that I, I forgot to mention that on Mon- on Monday that they were going against those long odds. Cause we talked about that on uh, my dad and I talked about that on Sunday and uh, credit to my sister. The uh, trash talk was at a minimum on 
because she went to Alabama. And I also think she realized that once the Browns went on Sunday night, we were kind of like, oh, whatever happens with the Buckeyes happens. Yeah. And that's kind of what that kind of was the case. <laughs> I was like 650 and I was like, oh, shoot, Ohio State plays in 10 minutes. Got to get amped up for the uh, national title game. That's um, wild. Huh? That's, that's wild. What? I figured you would have been, you know, ready all day. I mean, I wasn't like I was. I was ready. But it was also like, oh, we're about to put ready for a national championship. I was just, look, I was just basking. I'm still basking in the glow of Sunday night. Which is fair. It has to be fair. That's something that's, well, it's happened once in my life, but I was two years old. I don't remember that. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's a lot of people were in the same, uh, in the same boat uh, as that. But all right. That'll do it for us here on the short thing. We'll be back on Monday uh, recapping the playoffs. So have a good weekend, everybody.